You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. We're continuing our series through my part, God's part, their part. Talking about discipleship, talking about sharing our faith. Talking about all that good stuff. We've spent a lot of time talking about what it looks like to share in various aspects. And then last week, Rob talked about community and uh, the currents that pull us here and there. Um, the, the dragging us out, he used the riptide or the rip current uh, analogy, and that was really good. Um, and we kind of ended with this, this call, the call to action last week, the, 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 the kind of go get them. Uh, direction was to choose godly community. That 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 is what we need to do. We should be we should be we should make the decision to choose godly community. And in order to do that, I think that it probably would make sense for us to understand what godly community looks like. What makes godly community different? That's kind of the question in my mind. What makes godly community different? So today, I'm hoping that we get an idea of what that looks like. <clears throat> so in order to talk about what godly community looks like, what makes it different, I want to take a look back and see what God's original community looked like, what his intended community looked like. And to do that, we're going to talk about this term shephelah, because we're going to look at the Israelites and, and what he intended, where he put them and his people that he chose to work through and Shephelah, this term Shephelah, it's spelled either, either of these ways. Um, I prefer the top one. It's simpler. There's less letters. Uh, but it's pronounced, it might be easier to pronounce if you use this bottom one of Shephelah. Um, not a lot of phlegm in that word, which is a bummer. But uh, everybody in the front row, even though I have a mask on, is thankful that there's not a lot of phlegm in that word. Aren't you, Kyle? Anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about the Shephelah because the Shephelah is an area of foothills between the coastal plain and the Judean mountains. So we're going to pull up this map here, <clears throat> this first map, which is fantastic. I love a map, visual geography stuff. So this is Israel. This is, this is a chunk of Israel there where God put his people. And this is, a, this is just a ge- geographic sort of thing. And over here on the, the left side, you've got the Mediterranean Sea. And then the coastal plain is right next to that. And then the next one in is the Shephelah. Now, the Shephelah is the foothills before the Judean mountains. And then on the flip side of those, you got the Judean wilderness, the Dead Sea, and then the, the more mountains and wilderness on the other side. <clears throat> now, this area of Shephelah was an essential, it was an essential area to control if you wanted to be, um, if you wanted to control the trade that went through this area. Now, this, this specific strip of land right here, it's not very big. You know, we look at maps of Montana and they're gigantic. This is much, this is a very small area of land. Um, and all of the trade from Egypt down here off the bottom of the screen up to Assyria and all of the other civilizations up off north of this all went through this one area, and most of it went on this trade route called the Via Maris. So we're going to switch to this next, this next map here that's going to give us an even better. I love this map. This is so, my nerd is showing here. It's so cool. Topographical, and you can see the mountains and stuff. Because um, on the other one, you couldn't really tell, but 
as you're looking at this, you're like, well, why, why, wouldn't they, why would they have to go through the Shefela? Because it's just, you know, why wouldn't you just go up the coast? Well, the Shefela actually runs into the coast, and so you have to jut over, and you got to get over the mountains at some point. <clears throat> um, and so to control this area means that you are going to control the trade, because it's either going to come up the Via Maris here, which is in yellow, and it's going to continue on through, and there's all sorts of archaeological sites there that show they have you know, big cities built up on this trade route. Or, and Shefela, just for, I don't know if you can see it in the room here, there's a 40. So Shefela is right here, right? It's these foothills that run up through there. Um, or it's going to cut across Jerusalem, which is one of the yellow dots there, and go over on what they call the Jericho Road through Jericho and cut over to another trade route on the other side of the Dead Sea called the King's Road. One way or another, you have to go through Shephelah if you're going to go from Egypt, big civilization, to one of the other big civilizations. All of the trade goes through this hub. And God places his people right here. Now, there's, uh, there's going to be some things that occur if you're in Shephelah. If you're living and you're dwelling in this area, in this strip of land, you are going to constantly be coming into contact with people, with the, uh, the pagan nations, Right? You're going to be coming into contact with foreign nations and you're going to possibly be coming into conflict with them because this is a hotly contested piece of, piece of land. Even to this day with Palestine and, and Israel, there's all sorts of conflict over this little chunk of dirt. Now, <clears throat> we would see this with Samson, David. The, the Philistines would live down on the coastal plains. They were more seafaring. And, and coastal, and they would always battle and fight over who got to control Shephelah. Now, Israel settled into the mountains. You would settle into the mountains because the mountains were a safe place to settle, and you could live in comfort up in there, right? You would live in comfort up in the mountains because you could, you could defend them easily, and you would have down in these valleys that would run down to the coastal plain, you would have your farmland there, and so you would farm, and then you would bring your food up into your mountain strongholds. And so there's this tension of where God places them, of where are they going to settle? Are they going to live in this contested Shephelah area, or are they going to live up in the mountains and hide? We see that through Judges and all through the Old Testament of when you put it in context of this, this is what's going on there. And this is not a very big piece of land. You can see the, the top there, like that whole strip is 20 miles. It's not very big. God places his people at the crossroads of the world so that they could have an impact. He puts them here so that they can impact the peoples of the world around them. We see this with Abraham. We talked about earlier this year, right? The blessing, the promise that God gives Abraham. Let's look at that in Genesis 22. It says, I will surely bless you. This is God talking to Abraham. I will surely multiply your offsprings at the stars of, uh, as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the shore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and your offspring shall all the nations, uh, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is uh, right after Abraham tries to stab, stab his son, and then God stops him, and he's like, no, here, here's a ram. And then they reaffirm this. But this, this promise that he's going to have these offspring that shall bless all of the nations, he's going to reach all the nations 
through, through Abraham's offspring, through these people that God is putting in this land. In order for them to bless all nations, in order for them to carry this out, they have to embrace Shephelah. They have to embrace this area of tension that they have to live in. They can hide up in the mountains and be fine and not really, not control the, 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 the gates of you know, the cities that are down there that you have to go through. Be close to the trade route. Prosper from the trade route. But not actually affect things. Not actually embrace God's promise for them. If they're going to bless all nations, then they must embrace Shephelah. And there's some tensions that come with that. Because if I, if I live in the Shephelah, if, I, if I'm going to be down there and I'm going to be interacting with all of these people, I'm going to be interacting with all of these foreign people with wildly different views on life, wildly different gods, wildly different ways of worship and lifestyles and everything, right? The temptation is that I'm going to become corrupted by them, that I'm going to end up looking just like the pagans, that I'm going to start taking on aspects of those foreign people. And I'm going to forget who I am. I'm going to forget who God called me to be. And we see this. We see this occur. They take on foreign gods over and over. This is, this is the outside influence. And you have, to, you have to stand strong in order to not be influenced by them. It's like Rob said a couple weeks ago, you have to be the greater influence. And if you get corrupted by this, you live in Shephelah and you end up looking just like the pagans, looking just like the foreigners, then you're failing to be the greater influence. Now, the, other, the flip side of that, the tension with Shephelah, is the tension to run away, to avoid, right? Nobody likes conflict other than me. Um, <clears throat> psychos, psychopaths enjoy conflict. Sociopaths enjoy conflict. Um, calling myself out there. But most of us avoid conflict if we can, right? None of you like wake up in the morning like, I'm going to go fight with somebody today. Um, it's, it's not common. And so to choose to live in an area of tension, to live in a place that's going to be difficult that's going to either pull you to conform or cause you to run away is tough. So the flip side of that is that you fail to connect because you run away. And so you don't connect with the pagans. You don't influence anybody. You lose your influence because you don't embrace living in Shephelah. They don't go down and they don't dwell in the land and they don't strongly take it over and embrace where God put them and they instead take the safe route and they don't have the influence that God wants them to have. You wall yourself off, you give up your position. Maybe, and, and you come into contact with them to trade, but you're not actually influencing them because you just keep to yourself. That's the tension of Shephelah. It, it probably sounds a little bit like living in the world, but not being of the world to bring us up into the New Testament, right? <clears throat> You've heard this, that we're not of this world. Jesus says this, it gets repeated many times by Paul. We have a really great example of this in our LTG, our life transforming group reading this week. Um, 
comes out of 1 Corinthians. We're all, we're all trekking through together. And in its chapter 5, uh, it's a bit of a barn burner that, uh, that Paul's thrown out here. This can be a tough passage to wrestle with in some ways. <clears throat> so let's read this. Uh, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Pause. Not meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, not meaning those of the world, since then you would need to go out of the world. You'd need to leave. You'd have to leave maybe Shephelah. That might be an image of Shephelah. You'd have to pull out of this. You'd have to stop interacting with these people altogether. You'd have to leave the world and go hide in the desert to avoid these people or in a cabin in the mountains, right? Or just cease to be in the world because that's what the world is comprised of, of broken people. But he continues, he says, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So we're not talking about the heathens. We're not talking about the pagans, the outsider, the people that aren't under God's, they're not claiming to be a follower of God. He's talking about Christ followers, people who are in the brotherhood, right? We're not going to associate with a brother who is doing these things. Now, that's some, that might sound a little harsh, right? Be like, I thought Jesus was loving, Right? What is Paul saying here? I'm not even supposed to eat with him? Jesus went and ate with Zacchaeus. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Why don't these line up? He continues on. He says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Once again, outsiders. Not my place. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Is it not our own people, our own church body that we are supposed to patrol? Might be a word. Or watch out for? Might be a better term. Is it not our own body? God judges those outside. Then he finishes with this, purge the evil person from among you. Oof. Oof. Now, we might, we might pull this apart a little bit more in footnotes this week. But he's saying two, two basic things with this passage. Don't avoid the heathens. Don't avoid the outsider. He's not telling us to do that. He's specifically saying, don't av- no, 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 I'm not telling you to avoid imperfect people and broken people. I'm not telling you to avoid this. He is saying that we don't allow for compromised behavior within the body. We don't allow for compromised behavior within the body. Meaning that if, if somebody is going to claim the name of Christ, but live just like the outsider, then you need to protect. Then the body, the body there in Corinth needs to say, no, 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 no. If you're going to still be partaking in the temple worship and sleeping with temple prostitutes, you can't claim to be a Christian. You can't 
live with one foot in, in our world and one foot in that world and, and keep them set. No, no, no. You have to fully embrace our godly community. It's the concept of being a blue strand in the tassel that Rob talked about. I think we decided it was back in the Sabbath series. The tassels that the Jews wear, a bunch of white strands, and then there's one blue strand. They're supposed to stand out and they're supposed to look different. You still interact with those people, but we have to look different. And if you don't look different, if you end up looking just like the other white tassels, then you lose the purpose that God has given you. You lose the meaning for why God has placed you in that place. We have to look different. So what does it mean to live out Shephela in your life? What is your Shephela? Because it's, it's all well and good to say back, you know, God's people stuck in this little geographic area. God placed them. Why would it be any different for us? Why would I assume that God has not placed me in an area where I'm going to interact with people that need to know him. The same way that Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to live out Shephelah well. This concept of living out the tension of meeting people and interweaving ourselves with them, but looking differently and telling a story of who our God is. What is your Shephelah? And, and, once you think of what is your Shephela, where is the place that God has placed me? What stops you from embracing that Shephela? What are the pitfalls? What's the tension look like for you? What is the tension for you? Are you letting God into Shephela? You might be dwelling in that place and you might not be partaking of it. And you might just, you know, you, you, you keep your one foot in this world and one foot in this world, but we're not going to let the two meet. Absolutely not. Worlds colliding like Seinfeld with George Costanza. It's just not possible. We've got to keep the world separate because that tension would be, uh, would, that would be terrible, right? Nobody enjoys that conflict. You find yourself asking, I can't do this X, Y, Z because blah, blah, blah rationalizing, well, you know, I can't, I got to be careful about because then I might, there might be consequences. I might rile some feathers. I might look different. I might stick out like a sore thumb. You know, the early church in Acts exploded under crazy persecution because I think that's what we fear. We fear being persecuted. We fear the, the danger in looking different for our society. The danger in standing out is that you might be persecuted. But let's unpack that for a moment. The early church exploded under persecution. The church in China right now and the church in Iran are being persecuted heavily they're exploding. They're adding to their numbers daily. I don't really, honestly, I don't really feel super persecuted in Missoula, Montana. Most of the time. I really don't. 
compared to that, I'm not, I'm not in danger of getting thrown in the gulag or beheaded. I, I really don't feel that persecuted. But the fear, the fear is still there. The fear of that, and that's the, the tension of Shephela. That's what makes it a little scary is because there's the possibility of conflict. And yeah, I might not be under the same threats as the Chinese church, but that fear is still real. I can't do this because it might, might stop me from being able to blend in. So what makes godly community different? <clears throat> if we live out this shephela, if we live out this community that God has prescribed for us, what makes it different? I think godly community looks different because it has individuals who are committed to putting their God on display. It has a bunch of individuals who are all committed to putting their God on display. If you are living in Shephelah, when Israel lives, when Israel is a kingdom, is thriving, and they do well, they are putting their God on display to the world. The early church exploded because they put their God on display. They said, this is who we worship. This is why we're different. This is why we care for the people. This is why we take care of the people who are literally persecuting us and killing us. And we're still looking out for them. Individuals who are committed as a community to putting their God on display. I think it's individuals who make it a priority to connect to God that makes community different, godly community different. It's individuals who make it a priority to pray, to worship, to study, to observe Sabbath, to love others. We talked about this in the Sabbath series uh, when I was, I was talking about contemplation. We came up with all these different ways. We, we compared them to love languages, you know, of the various ways that you might connect with God, to work on your, to delve deeper into that relationship with God. And there's a lot of different ways that this could, like there's a lot of different things that this can look like. Different ways to connect with God. There's what, 7 billion people on the planet? There's probably 7 billion different variations of what this looks like. So we've got individuals who are committed to putting their God on display and individuals who make it a priority to connect with God. And I, you know, I, was, I was coming up with this and I realized that <clears throat> I don't wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Isn't that the Kesha song? That, whew, rabbit trail. I don't wake up in the morning and ask myself, I don't wake up and ask myself, you know, how can I put God on display today? And as I'm brushing my teeth, coming up with a list of five different ways that I can put God on display, like what Jesus freak t-shirt should I wear today? That's, it's not, I don't, I don't think it through like that. Maybe some of you do, I don't know. Maybe I should. But what I do know is that when I make it a priority to connect with God, 
throughout my day. When I dive into my LTG and my daily reading and studying the scripture, or when I work some worship into my day, or I, I, I observe Sabbath consistently and regularly, when I work these practices in and I make it a priority to connect with God, when I spend time in the day praying with him and talking about things with him, when I work that into my day, I, I, put, dis, I put God on display as a side effect. When I chase after connecting with God, it is a natural side effect that I put him on display and who he is. It's an, out, it's an outpouring, it's an outflowing from that. So I don't have to wake up and come up with a list of, all right, today I'm going to, I don't have to do that. All I have to do is say, today I'm going to chase after my connection with God. And if I do that, there's this natural side effect of it being an outpouring and showing who he is to the people that I interact with. <clears throat> Where do we learn how to connect with God? Where did you? Who did you see model this? Rob said this week that it's caught, not taught, which speaks to my inner gangster rapper because that's some sick rhymes right there. It's caught, not taught. Who did you see model godly community practices? You know, for Kyle, I'm going to pick on you. Like, you know, it's relatively fresh in your mind, probably, some people that modeled that for you. Uh, you know, for other people like Rob, they got to go back a couple decades or millennia to figure out when, you know, back in the ancient of days, somebody modeled to him how to connect with God. I joke. But uh, then again, Rob's probably picked up some things in the last couple of years too. This is not a, all right, now I know how to connect with God. It's a continuing process. We learn from people. We see people model this and we pick up things from our community. The majority of the time you learn how to connect with God from someone else, which takes us to the my part, God's part, their part. <clears throat> my part is to model to people in my community how to connect or grow or draw closer to God. My part is to model to people in my community how to connect with God, to connect to God, to draw closer to God, to grow in my relationship to God. And I model this to people. That's my, that's my part. I model this. I sit in the tension of Shephelah and I model this to people. I say, this is how I grow closer to God. That's my part. God's part he leads you to the place where you have the opportunity to influence others. <laughs> There's two parts to this. One, God's lead, God leads me to the place. He leads me to Shephela. He puts me in a, in a spot. He lines up the place. He lines up the people. He lines up the timing of it, which takes all of the effort off on my part for the most part. Like it's a lot easier when I let him do that. But he puts me in this place for me to model this. And then he brings people through. 
He puts me in the location and he brings people through to this. And then their part, when God brings them through, is they learn to connect to God from the people in their community. Now this could be the world, put it in the, in, in the perspective of the, the Israelites and Shephelah, this could be their world trading community. The outside nations are going to come into contact and they learn to connect with God because of the people in this trading community. Or maybe it's on a smaller level. The people in your family learn to connect to God, to grow closer to God because they learn from you. They learn to connect to God from the people in their community. That's their part. Now, as we've moved through this series, the, the, the my part and the their part, I start to identify a little bit more with the their part every week. I, I realize that I probably have some more growing to do. There are people that I need to learn to connect with God from. People that are a little further down the path. People that need to disciple me. While at the same time, I have my part if I need a model to the people that are coming behind me that I can bring up to connect and grow closer to God. So what are some tangible next steps? We've kind of talked, this is, little, this is a little bit up in the air, right? We've been talking Shephelah and there's maps involved, right? What are some tangible nitty gritty things that I can do this week, that you can do this week Walking out of this room, got some options. <clears throat> you might be able to come up with some better ones. Uh, the first one, embrace godly community. This is kind of a throwback to last week. If you don't embrace godly community, not really sure if it's, any of this would be applicable. You have to make the choice to not run into the mountains. You have to make the choice to, to not just become part of, the, just part of the world and look just like the world, right? With, uh, with, the, Corinth, with the Corinthians and the church there, you've got, you've got the church and they, they want to they carry on with these practices that everybody else in their culture is doing. They don't want to look different. And he's dealing with these people that don't want to look different. They think that, yeah, I don't have to. I'm free in Christ. I don't have to look different from the world. I don't have to look different from all of the other outsiders, all of the other lost people, the people that don't know Christ. I don't need to look different from them. I can, I can just know Christ and then I can just fit in with everyone. They're not embracing godly community. So maybe your next step this week is just to embrace godly community. We have care groups, we have LTGs, we have many, 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 many ways to connect. <laughs> Find out what that looks like to embrace godly community. Make the decision to leave that, that current that Rob was talking about last week that's pulling you away, away from God or maybe just not pushing you towards God. Maybe it's just stagnant. You're just sitting there. But dive in and embrace godly community.
Number two, learn ways to connect with God. It's a constant process. I, I, I don't think I'll ever get to a point where I can say, yep, I have learned every way to connect with God, mastered them all. I really don't think I'm ever going to get there. I can always grow deeper in my relationship with him. I can always dig deeper. He is an infinite God, and we can infinitely chase after that, more and more connectedness. Learn new ways to connect with God. Number three is represent your God in Shephelah. This might be a next step for somebody. God has placed you in a specific place for you. He has put you in a spot where you can reach people that no one else might be able to reach. What does that look like to represent your God in Shephelah? What can you do to put him on display? Think about that and maybe apply some of these. Uh, For example, uh, you know, during... During the week, I've got a couple of LTG meetings. I'll give you an example of this. <clears throat> it would be really easy to just do the LTG meetings in the office or at my house or any place like that. But instead of doing that, we meet at Liquid Planet Grill, right? Or it can be every week. Every week on Thursdays, you got me, Mike, and Jack sitting down, usually at the same table, unless somebody has made the grievous mistake of stealing our table. <sighs> There's no forgiveness for those people. That's a, that's a joke. <laughs> but so we go there every week, and we all show up with our Bibles, and then we order some coffee or maybe some cookies, or the, the waitress talks me into getting a cookie. Gosh, they're good, and she warms them up. It's so nice. And we sit there and we discuss the Bible. And there's been a couple of times where people have noticed that and they've come up after, hey, that's cool that you guys are doing that. They know, like, we've been in there every week. If nobody has figured out that we're coming in there and we're talking about the Bible after, I don't know, months of this, they're completely oblivious. But they check on our table often enough, like, they've got to have figured it out. We're not beating him over the head with it. We're just simply putting our God on display. We're just going out and living in the world, going about our day-to-day business and bringing God into that with us. Represent your God in Shephelah. Last one is teach others to connect to God. Next step this week, Pick somebody in your life and say, hey, I want to bring them under, I'm going to bring this person under my wing. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to invite them to connect to, to God with me. Now, we talk prayer, worship, study, Sabbath, billion different ways. Might just be having a, might just be having a heart-to-heart conversation with them. Invite somebody this week to connect to God with you. Bring them into that and model that for them. 
It's a real tangible. Like that's really, I don't know if I can get any nittier or grittier. Sure, we'll use it that way. <laughs> I don't know if I can get any nittier or grittier with that. Like that is rubber meets the road right there. Teach others to connect to God. That's what makes godly community different. And when we do that, it makes our community look different. When we do that, it has an impact. The people around us, the people that we interact with. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.